welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. Thank you so much for joining the show today. This is e-commerce innovators. I am your host, John LeBaron. I'm the chief revenue officer at Pattern. And we have a special guest today that I'm very excited to introduce to you. Manish Chowdhury is the founder and CEO of Kahoot. And it says this is the world's first peer-to-peer fulfillment network. So welcome to the show today, Manish. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So Manish, I got to meet you in person uh, a few weeks ago at our Accelerate Summit. I don't know when this will will air, but it was really fascinating. You're clearly very bright and you know a lot about this industry. I think you spent a lot of time studying it. And so I, I'm excited to introduce you to um, you know the listeners of this show and have them learn a little bit more and share some of the goodness that, that you have uh, spent your whole life kind of dedicated to. So you're a crazy a uh, serial entrepreneur um, and a little bit of a mad scientist. Tell us a little bit about what a peer-to-peer fulfillment network is. Thank you for your kind words, John. Uh, you're giving me more credit than I deserve, but uh, I'll take it for now. Um, peer-to-peer uh, fulfillment or peer-to-peer network is essentially brands and retailers helping other brands and other retailers. Um, and in context of fulfillment, what Kahoot has done is created a, uh, a large-scale network where a brand can join Kahoot as a fulfillment partner. So if a brand or a retailer has a warehouse or multiple warehouses and they have spare capacity, they can actually monetize their spare capacity for the very first time. Similar to if you were to put up your spare bedroom in your house on Airbnb. And on the other side, we've got brands and retailers that are looking for fulfillment services they get to benefit from a lower cost structure and a very large-scale network. That is essentially what a peer-to-peer network is. And Kahoot is the governing body so that it provides a fully managed service. And I'll use the Uber example. So the seller or the brand that's looking for fulfillment services doesn't have to negotiate directly with the driver. If you were an Uber rider, Kahoot provides the entire service in a box and ensures that all the stakeholders are participating and, and being successful. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's so innovative. Um, and we look at fulfillment and logistics, crazy amounts of innovation. Every time I look at the fastest growing Inc. 5000 type companies, it feels like you know 50% or more of them have something to do with last mile delivery or freight forwarding or you know anything, you know direct import, all that sort of stuff. So I think the reason why it is it's so expensive, A, and it's only getting more complex and more expensive, and that capacity just really comes back to bite you um, if you have too much, because there's so many fixed costs. So how did you get into this space? And obviously, you have to be very, very smart to kind of figure out the, the world's toughest problems, or at least e-commerce's toughest problems. How did you get into this? And tell us a little bit about your career trajectory. Uh, thank you, John. Um... You know, the way this journey started, believe it or not, this was long before Amazon Prime ex- existed, long before the consumers were ever demanding, you know, two-day or one-day free delivery. This is back in, I'll take you back to 2002, and I've been involved in e-commerce since 2000. Uh, so we 
uh, my previous other, my other company is an e-commerce platform, and we were studying consumer uh, fulfillment data. So if you may recall, uh, in early 2000, the transition, the industry was making transition from film cameras to digital cameras, and digital camera was the hottest thing, Yeah, if you yeah. recall. So essentially what we, do, what we did was we took sales data or order data from about 70 uh, or so top e-commerce vendors. And this is back, uh, back at a time when it was, there was an incentive for people to buy out of state because you don't have to pay a sales tax. Absolutely. So when, yeah. we, when we plotted that data of these digital camera, I remember Canon Elf or one of those Nikon uh, Coolpix camera. Those were two <laughs> popular products. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when we plotted that, what we saw, it was fascinating. What I saw was uh, 30% of the time, a consumer in California was ordering that Nikon Coolpix from a vendor in New York. And at the same day, Event, a customer in New York or New Jersey was ordering the same identical product from a vendor on the West Coast. And just a light bulb went off in my head. It was like 30% of the time, these two shipments are crisscrossing coast to coast. That makes no sense. Yeah. It's taking at the time, it was taking eight days to deliver the item using UPS ground. It was costing a lot of money and consumers were waiting 16 extra days and everybody, it, it just did not feel to me, I went back to first principles and say, this should not happen. Yeah. You know, this is, this is just not natural. And that's where I applied for my first patent at that time, that what if they, I were to create an exchange where all these vendors could pool their orders and Kahoot would, at the time, the word Kahoot didn't exist, the company didn't exist. <laughs> and we would, do, we would act as a clearinghouse for the orders and facilitate most optimum delivery, keeping competitors and uh, allowing competitors to collaborate in an anonymous manner. That is the origin of where the idea came from. Oh, that's fascinating. So really get in cahoots with one another and uh, try to, to co-mingle the inventory that they almost from a blind standpoint, right? That, that is exactly right. Because, you know, if you take an example from a parallel industry like a stock market you know you have uh, clearing houses and stock exchanges yeah. you know which do settlements of trade at the end of the day or whatever that closing period is why could we not apply the same principle to e-commerce and and you know fast forward 10 15 years um, this has become a necessity now because when you think about the macro problem that you know how do you speed up delivery you need to think in a highly um, from first principles, you know, rather than thinking how something has been so so far along, and this is how we've done things. But true innovation, you know, is really thinking uh, outside the box, as you uh, as you refer to. Yeah, well, and and again, a parallel from a different industry, super nerdy too. But again, I spent a fair amount of my my career in telecom. And yeah, there was always this real big challenge of I think about Netflix trying to every user trying to stream and the loading times of how long it takes. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's all zeros and ones anyway, but it's got to get across all the way across that network. And how do you get people from Phoenix and Philadelphia and you know Seattle all trying to watch binge watch their favorite shows um, and reduce the buffering? And, and the you know solution truly was push it closer to the metropolitan areas, push it what we call the edge of the network 
and allow that transit time to be more instantaneous and almost like just again reduce that buffering and, and technology has eased some of that just in terms of capacity in the network but uh, but I'm with you and it, it's like it's so obvious right it stares you right in the face but you know that's kind of why Amazon I guess is one in a way is because they become that centralized clearinghouse as a whatever aggregate platform um, but it doesn't really work in a fragmented world of all of the different retailers trying to ship, the e-tailers trying to ship, and the brands themselves, all the D2C brands. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I, ultimately, that's probably where I would love to steer the conversation. I mean, we'll get to some of the quote-unquote canned innovation-type questions um, that we always kind of cover because you get a different flavor no matter what. But for, you know, going down this path, I guess, um, how do you as a brand or, or what are some of the big challenges all these peripheral players outside of Amazon face in trying to get goods to the customer? I've got to think Amazon has set this standard that you talked about of same day, overnight, next day, whatever you want to call it, delivery. How can other folks, besides obviously using your service, try not to be more, uh, try not to be too, too objective here or subjective. Yes, um, of course. Yeah. Like what are the biggest challenges they face in, in trying to kind of keep up or compete with a behemoth like an Amazon? Right. Frankly, uh, John, I think a lot of brands and retailers uh, uh, really are not up to speed, perhaps, on the solutions that already exist. You know, um, if you break down uh, the last mile fulfillment or trying to achieve uh, Amazon-esque, Amazon-like um, a fulfillment experience or our consumer experience from the checkout all the way to getting the product in the hands of the consumer. Let's at a high level, you know, first and foremost, you need to, if you, if let's compare a DTC site, if you're on a DTC site and uh, in your shopping cart, you need to display when will the product arrive? The, what I call date certain shipping and technologies exist even now. Uh, yes, it may not come all come from one single player like Amazon, but um, I know that uh, some of the bigger ones like Target and Best Buy have done a fabulous job. And frankly, for a couple hundred bucks a month, you can implement this date certain shipping. So that's number one, because c consumers uh, do not convert when there's uncertainty. It's just like you can see what's happening in yeah. the stock market. Yeah. Yeah, the world is not going to come to an end, but because we don't know when the war is going to end and so on, and therefore there's a lot of uncertainty. So... The, the solutions exist. So step one, add date certain shipping to your shopping cart. Number two, bring the, the shipping on parity with Amazon. It is easier than they think. You know, if you're spending 15% commission on Amazon, that's 15% for you to play with and apply that to the shipping subsidy. That, or whatever you want, if you want to think of that as a subsidy, I mean, FBA is not free. You might uh, you, you know, the consumers are paying a membership fee and all, yeah. all, all of that. So that's step one. And then distributed fulfillment. If you break it down, you know, you've got to get your inventory closer to the consumers. So if you want to target a two-day guaranteed delivery, if you place your inventory strategically in five warehouses, you know, you can achieve that and you can provide the guarantee. Don't, don't yeah. worry about that one order that you need to overnight or 2% of the orders, you know, it's, uh, uh, retailers and brands get too caught up into the exceptions and the one to 2% problem. And they throw the baby with the bathwater and say, Oh, yeah. it's not possible. You know, the, the, if that is the reason if you go back to FedEx, uh, the origin of FedEx was 
guaranteed delivery at 10:30 a.m. or your money back. Yeah. And I can assure you, I can assure you that FedEx did not give a lot of money back. And the day, <laughs> the day they put that guarantee, that's when the sales just took off. And same thing with Domino's, 30% pizza, pizza delivery within 30 minutes or your money back. I guarantee you, Domino's is still existing. They didn't go out of business because of the guarantee. Yeah. So that guarantee is crucial. And then having the technology to ensure and execute against um, the last mile delivery and then customer communication. You know, that's another place where we find uh, brands and retailers are not uh, totally up to par. Okay, you're doing a great job. You've distributed your inventory and the order goes out. If you don't communicate as frequently about the progress of that fulfillment and delivery along the way, it's like tree falling in the forest. In fact, we know from data and from anecdotal evidence, Prime does not live up to its promise. I, I don't know how many orders you've ordered, uh, John, that by Prime, it says it's gonna arrive tomorrow, it doesn't arrive. I would argue that at least double digit failure in that promise exists, but, they communicate with the customer through the text messaging, through the email, and they communicate frequently. And then finally, the icing on the cake is when you get a picture of the item outside your front door yeah. and, and people think, wow, only Amazon can do it. If you piecemeal all of these solutions together or go to a provider that can offer, I can assure you that you can offer a Prime-like experience. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So let's Let's keep going down this path because I think it's, to your point, a lot of brands and a lot of listeners by extension on the show may not truly understand what's available. And if you're the world's first, you know, that that is kind of tricky. So I don't know if you have a public customer you can talk about, or we can just use the example of a, a drone or a digital camera or whatever, but how does it work? If you are a brand, um, well, we could go through both examples, right? The, the person with extra capacity or the person on the other, uh, you know, demand side of the network with a uh, or, or the supply side of the network with a, with a brand. Give us an example of how this works, how they use the software, what it kind of looks like, how much of the inventory are they pushing to the quote unquote edge uh, versus kind of keeping consolidated? How does it work? Right, um, great question. Um, so let's talk about a, a real example. I'll use one of our clients. Uh, Cali's Books is one of uh, our clients. They're a brand, they, uh, they, uh, they create, they've created uh, innovative children's uh, children's books that are um, audio books, uh, like think about Cinderella, and yeah. um, you can actually uh, this, you can the, uh, you can play that book in different languages. So if you want to learn Spanish, your kids want to learn Spanish, it's Cinderella in Spanish, uh, and also people can record. So you, if you were away from home, John, you could record it. And you can gift that as a, send that as a gift to your kids or your loved ones. Yeah. So it's a very brilliant concept that uh, they have created. So great demand. They have their manufacturing uh, overseas, uh, and they bring in container loads. And they they would first step is to bring it into uh, West Coast because the product comes from um, uh, from China and other places. So we would first house it just like Amazon into a uh, into a centralized warehouse. And then we would distribute that inventory across the, in this particular case, Cali's Books inventory is sitting in six to seven different Kahoot warehouses, strategically located, uh, greater New York area, Southern California, uh, Midwest, upper Midwest, the Chicago area, the Dallas region, and somewhere in the middle, North Carolina, and uh, one more. So now you've strategically moved that inventory based on demand planning, that what is the movement of inventory? You don't want to send the uh, same 10 units 
uh, to all locations equally because the population and demand is not equal. Right. So that is that is crucial. And then in their case, we connect directly to the sales channel that whether the order is coming from Shopify, Amazon, uh, or Nordstrom. So they sell B2B and B2C. So they need the ability to to, to ship both both wholesale and retail. And right now, with the inventory fully distributed, we are doing seller for full prime for this customer. So they're achieving the prime target. And in fact, uh, as you know, Amazon holds seller for full prime uh, merchants even more accountable than themselves and FBA. And they have they have had no issues whatsoever. They have been operating flawlessly. And then because that seller full prime is being offered on Amazon, they are now in the process of implementing that same guaranteed two-day, one-day delivery on Shopify, on other marketplaces like Target, Walmart, and all the others. So you can see that delivery, once you've got the infrastructure in place, you can tackle all the sales channel very easily. Yeah, no, I think it's really innovative and, and super fascinating. Um, I guess going back to your comment, I mean, and the way the business model works, are those actually your warehouses or to the other side of it there, when you say a Kahoot warehouse, it's basically someone who's partnered with you that has spare capacity and they're doing the, both the fulfillment and the inbound receipt and all that other stuff, right? That's right. Uh, the reason why we call them a Kahoot warehouse is because Kahoot takes accountability uh, on behalf of the seller because the seller, it's akin to Uber driver. That driver is riding for Uber. Um, it's very similar to uh, these are independent warehouses that, are, that belong to other merchants that are super successful. The average tenure of these merchants is over 10 years selling online themselves. So they know you know, what it takes to manage and maintain, you know, uh, uh, good standards in Amazon because many of them are doing it themselves. And uh, in many cases, uh, Kahoot warehouses are both a fulfillment provider and also a client. So there a warehouse in California that is providing fulfillment services. They also need fulfillment services in New York. So they are, it's such a symbiotic relationship that they understand that, they cannot let Kahoot down. They cannot let our clients down because if that happens, somebody could let yeah. them down and Kahoot yeah. acts as the governing body ensuring that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, well, this is, again, this is just so great. I, I love your expertise. I love your passion and enthusiasm. It's definitely coming through here. If you think about um, on the flip side, right, there is Amazon. Amazon's been building like crazy. They definitely had their work cut out for them once COVID hit and trying to scramble and build capacity into the network as quickly as possible. And I'm sure they did not have the uh, Kahoot. They should have leaned on you guys. You guys could have given them instant capacity, but they, they built it out themselves. We've now heard in Q1 that they overbuilt capacity. What does that mean for Amazon sellers? What does it mean for other channels? So it means two things. One, the good news is uh, Amazon is unlikely to provide to apply capacity constraints on inbound inventory as they did last year yeah. because they were struggling last year. This capacity really just opened up a lot this year. So a lot of the sellers are very concerned about not being able to send enough inventory for the holiday season, uh, the Q4, and so on. So I don't expect any such bottlenecks this year. So that's the good news. 
The not so good news is they've very publicly stated that this overbuilding is what resulted or partially resulted in them making a loss uh, the first quarter of this year. And Amazon hasn't had that big of a loss in many, many dec uh, in, uh, in many, many quarters. So they attributed that to that loss. And of course, it's, uh, so it's, it's safe to say that FBA is somewhat subsidized. You know, people, uh, their shipping is very, uh, very affordable. But I expect because of Amazon's focus on profitability, sellers should brace for price increases in FBA at least once or two or two times between now and end of the year. So the good news is you will not have capacity constraints. The not so good news is prepare to pay more for FBA services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only shipping fulfillment, I would say storage as well. Someone's got to pay the piper if you've got too much uh, warehouse capacity. You know, storage fees will, will likely go up as well. So I think that's a great observation. And as you look forward to, you know, I often look toward Asia as this harbinger of things to come. I look at JD.com. They've got six-hour delivery across all, like 90% of China, right? So it's, I think the, the notion of two-day to now, you know, one day to same day to, in fact, I've, we have a fulfillment center in Salt Lake City now for Amazon. And back to your point, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch what Amazon is doing. I've lately seen, especially near the weekend, that Amazon will push prime deliveries out to, if you order on, you know, even late on a Thursday night, you may not get it until Monday. But there's this new option that says you can pay $2.99 more and get it in like four hours, right? Or you'll get it overnight, it'll be on your doorstep. So it's, it's kind of fascinating to look at how different things are getting subsidized. But a big piece of what Amazon is doing in many markets is they're kind of creating their own delivery network as well, right? At all hours of the day and night. And back to your Uber analogy, A, is that something you know your company is doing today or do you anticipate it will um, soon is kind of extend the fulfillment network or the notion of the, the ride sharing or, or the Airbnb of, of storage into, um, into the delivery network itself and last mile delivery. Is that on the roadmap or is that already happening today? We are we are uh, certainly doing a lot more than a traditional 3PL. So, for example, in order to meet SSP, seller fulfill prime, or let's just call prime delivery ex uh, expectations from Amazon, yeah. uh, we need to be fulfilling orders six days a week at least. Um, you need to meet at least 30% uh, uh, one-day delivery targets. And uh, Kahoot is still, uh, Amazon has uh, two decades of uh, um, uh, of uh, lead time over Kahoot, but Kahoot is catching up fast. So yeah. the objective with our peer-to-peer -peer network is uh, this network grows very rapidly and uh, in highly densely populated urban areas, um, uh, we can achieve uh, same-day delivery using couriers. It's just a decentralized model versus Amazon's model is largely um, a vertical integration. Um, which I believe they're both. There's the Apple model and there's the uh, Microsoft uh, um, yeah. Microsoft uh, Windows model. And uh, we believe that we will create more opportunities for partners uh, collectively as part of our network that uh, there, there will be a, 
large incentive for a lot of folks to to participate and also gain from that experience. So when a fulfillment partner joins uh, Kahoot Network, they're getting a lion's share of the of the revenue that we collect. And so there's an incentive for them to promote that. And also uh, it's sort of like, you know, if you're an Uber driver, you want to do a great job. So you get high, a high rating because if you don't get high, high rating, then Uber will not select you as your, as for the next ride. So Kahoot implements a very similar principle and model. So I believe that um, both can coexist. There is a, there is room for both of them. And uh, from our perspective, Kahoot is a more capital efficient and it's more cost effective model because you can achieve any target you want, John. You can achieve 30 minute delivery if you want to send a chartered plane from Salt Lake City to, to somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, well, that begs the question then, you know, Amazon with excess capacity is still trying to figure out how do I use this? How do I increase my stranglehold? Prime penetration is massive in the US. You just saw this announcement with Grubhub yesterday of like, how do I get either more loyalty because they're raising prime prices? How do you get more stickiness? How do you bring no, new people onto the platform? It does feel like, you know, D2C or other non-marketplace customers are one of the last few frontiers that they haven't completely dominated. And so you see strategic initiatives starting to emerge like, um, buy with Prime, right? So now D2C brands can opt into this buy or e-tailers can, can, can opt into this thing. Is that a good idea? Like, what, what's your opinion on that? It, it's a horrible idea. It is absolutely a DTC killer, in my opinion. And that was the topic of my, my, my speech at uh, the Accelerate Conference. And it's not meant to be self-serving because essentially this is an attempt by Amazon to infiltrate the entire consumer journey, you know, and uh, I know that the that talk is going to be published on your website shortly for those of uh, folks that are interested in learning more. Uh, it, essentially, the way I see uh, this is if you allow Amazon into your DTC site, what's the difference between selling on Amazon and selling on your DTC site? You know, who who owns the customer? Who controls that customer journey? Yeah. Um, and, and it's actually, it's like, I've called it a Trojan horse. It's essentially a Trojan horse that, uh, let's take a very simple example. If the shopping cart belongs to Amazon and Prime, for long DTC brands have always encouraged consumers to increase their average order value, the higher cart size by putting free shipping on orders over $49, over $99, but move over to Prime, there is no minimum. So now all of a sudden, if you were, Lockitan, the, the popular uh, cosmetics company, if you have a minimum of $49 and you introduce buy with Prime, your cart size is gonna go down dramatically. Yeah. Now, if people abandon the cart, that ad is going to show up on Amazon. And if you're not on Amazon, your competitor ad is gonna show up. And we know that every Prime shopper, there are about 200 million Prime shoppers in the US, they visit amazon.com once a week, 85% of them visit once a week and 45, but half of them make a purchase uh, once a week. Wow. So the likelihood of your competitor product being targeted on amazon.com to that shopper that actually originated the journey on your site is a lot higher. So jury is still out. The program is still in its infancy. It is by invitation only, but uh, 
it is, uh, does not appear to be a good idea for DTC brands to take this leap right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's definitely, you know, deal with the devil or letting the enemy come sleep in your bed or whatever crazy metaphor you want to make. I think it is eyes wide open for sure. You got to figure out how, how close you want to get to the potential enemy. Um, and not really enemy, right? But it's like your dependence, the more Amazon has dependence on you as a consumer and certainly as a brand, the less wiggly wiggling room you have to be able to kind of chart your own destiny. And I'm with you, like the true, you know, kind of gold standard of a D2C brand is owning that relationship with owning the experience, owning everything in that customer journey. And the more you kind of like outsource that, the harder it is uh, to truly maintain differentiation in the eyes of the customer and, um, and a strong brand. So well, wow, this has been so great. I know we don't have a ton of time left. Maybe a handful of other questions just around the topic of innovation. I know we've been speaking about it um, in the periphery here and so many innovative approaches and thoughts here. What advice do you have for brands that are looking to either reduce their dependency uh, or, or relationship with Amazon or really just trying to build their brand and double down on the D2C front? What do what do you have? What advice do you have for brands that are looking to try to grow their brand via e-commerce? That's a great question, John. I mean, the way I see it, it's not so much about uh, dependency reduction of dependency on any one party. It's about chartering your own path. It's about having more independence. You know, I know we talk about in this new world, uh, employees want more flexibility at work and how they work and so on. So brands you know, uh, should hold the keys and they should be the one that should own the customer and own the relationship because that's the, the, the definition of a brand. Because if a middleman controls all um, the, the customer data, uh, all the relationships, you can market to that customer when you want, you can't have a direct engagement with that customer. You know, it's hard to say who is the brand. You know, and when you look at it, when people buy on Amazon, uh, I'm sure there's data and stats out there. Nine out of 10 times, the consumer does not remember or know what product they bought and which seller they bought it from. They just say, I bought it on Amazon. I have yet to, yet to hear I bought it from Acme Inc. on Amazon. Oh. They say, I bought it from Amazon. So, so my advice is really, you know, if you want to succeed in DTC, right? DTC uh, you know, is a fascinating world, but it's also full of graveyards. You know, we know that even the likes of the darlings like Allbirds are struggling, you know, from a profitability standpoint. But focusing on, uh, on lifetime value is so important. You know, uh, basics, going back to basics, that it's not just about customer acquisition. It is all, it's about uh, customer retention and lifetime value. And, and that's why you should, you should be present wherever the customer is, including your website. You cannot, you cannot have your website not be on parity with marketplaces because marketplaces are a competitive environment. It's sort of like, you know, if you're competing against others, against other brands, you need to achieve parity. So I would, from a fulfillment and logistics standpoint, you know, it's, it's a mandate for brands to take their website with the same level of seriousness and the, from a fulfillment and logistics, you cannot throw in the towel and say, oh, we can't do it. The reality is solutions exist. And believe it or not, in many cases, they're cheaper than FBA. 
and can help you achieve the same outcomes. And I would say that take that really seriously, apply that date certain shipping, live up to that promise. When you say guaranteed delivery, don't exclude the few items because again, think about the 2% rule. Think about 98% of your, of your outcomes and not worry about the 2%. And I think that will start turning the tide. And then, you know, consortium of stores, there will be, I expect innovation where there will be new networks that will be formed. So for example, I know Shopify has been experimenting with Shopify audience and Shopify promise pay and so on. So there will be other avenues to tap into, not only on uh, marketplaces. Yeah, well, it's so great. So I would just say, you know, maybe to close this out, you have been an entrepreneur again for a long time. You've seen a lot of, you've hired a lot of people, you've fired a lot of people, you, you've seen uh, probably a lot of highs and a lot of lows. What is one, I always like to ask this question, what is one leadership principle that you, you know, particularly love, do you feel like it's been a, a real big part of your success? I think for me personally, um, think big and really think and be, be, be contrarian. You know, um, uh, when, when I started Kahoot uh, with the original idea that I shared competitor collaboration, you know, that uh, really uh, is a highly contrarian. We are taught to compete uh, with each other. Brands are, or retailers are competing. How do you collaborate? Uh, there, are, there are ways when collaboration makes sense and there are times when that, that does make sense and it actually leads to um, um, a greater good and also a win-win relationship. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, airlines, you know, we have code share. You know, you, when you want to go from here to uh, Bali, Indonesia, you're going to probably have to take a flight from Salt Lake City to, to Los Angeles, and then you're going to take a flight from there to somewhere else. Yeah. So I know you're nodding your head. So, so if, you, if you just take out those constraints that why it cannot be done and start thinking from first principles and be bold, and be, if you believe in it and you can prove, prove that it can actually work, then it's a, it's a matter of figuring out how to make it work. And most of us or most people, and my leadership principle has been challenge your team to think big, think bold, and, uh, and be contrarian and believe in that self. It's, it's, bigger, it's, it's better to be a monopoly than to be competing in a highly crowded red ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, you know, you've definitely thought big you know, taking on kind of the world's biggest uh, logistics company, so to speak. Um, and certainly, you know, one of the wealthiest individuals in the world is, is no small task. And so uh, you've definitely thought big. And the good news is, you know, sounds from all, everything I can see, like you're delivering on it. So where can people find you? Where can they learn more about, you know, help, help, help our listeners understand if they want to investigate where, where should be their next turn? Well, uh, check us out on our website. That's www.kahoot.ai. That's Kahoot with uh, no S, C-A-H-O-O-T dot A-I. And I invite people to come find me on LinkedIn. Uh, follow me. I write frequently. I speak quite frequently. And John, thank you so much for having me on this show. It's such an honor to be here. No, thank you so much. And uh, I've learned a lot personally. And that's 
what I usually like to do as well. Part of the reason for doing this podcast is just to learn more and, and get exposure to super smart people that are innovating in this industry. Uh, and I think we can all learn a lot from what you shared with us today, Manish. So thank you so much for joining. Again, this is e-commerce innovators. And uh, if you've liked what you've heard today, go ahead and, and subscribe on your favorite podcast player and feel free to send uh, feedback as well. Send some comments or shoot me a line at john at And we will look forward to hearing you on the next one. Thank you so much, everyone.